0: Consummate Athlete seeks health, community, and adventure through movement.
1: And here on the podcast, longtime endurance coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford and author and cycling coach Molly Herford are helping you lead your best active, adventurous life.
0: Every week, we talk with professional athletes, health and fitness experts, and of course, real-life consummate athletes.
1: We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going?
0: It's going well. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting to the starts of winter here and sort of cycling season is winding down a little bit.
1: Yeah. But I mean, there are still parts of the country where cycling is still going to be a thing for a while outdoors. And actually,
0: God love the people who are just like out there. They're doing it year round even. Right.
1: I saw fat biking happening in Massachusetts this past week because they got some snow. Yeah. Pretty bonkers for November. Actually, I thought it was saying October. Um, So good on them. Uh, and actually, I've been seeing a lot of articles about people talking about winter bikepacking, which I'm pretty excited about the concept, uh, less excited about trying it myself, personally. But uh, I think it's it's a really cool undertaking.
0: I think so. I mean, I th- you're seeing people are still, you know, certainly fall camping, but winter camping is definitely a thing that people do, right? And so I, to me, it, it makes perfect sense that people are going to do bikepacking, right? But they may not go as far. They may, you know, keep some of the constraints a little bit more tight for the sake of safety. but um, I don't see why people would not be, be doing this if this was the thing they were wanting to do.
1: It's true. And actually, uh, if anyone heads over to com, I have, um, a couple articles from the past few weeks, sort of about my first bike packing attempt and, you know, kind of thinking more about the gear, because I know for a lot of people, the idea of bike packing can be hugely limited by, Oh, but I don't have, you know, XYZ thing. Um, and actually, today's guest talks a lot about that, which I, I really appreciate. Um, but yeah, so I have a bunch of stuff over uh, on our site about what I brought with me, what I would have changed. Uh, we did more of like a hotel bikepacking trip. But, you know, honestly, I think that's a great way to start personally. I'm, I'm going to stand by that. And we had Joe Cruz, one of the editors at Bikepacking.com, on a few months ago. And one of the first things he said was like, bikepacking does not have to be this like rugged camping thing. It can be whatever you want it to be, which I really appreciated.
0: Yeah, I think that's just it, right? We all start where we start, right? You got no read you know, that's the way you start sports, right? You run, you know, a short distance and you walk a little bit, but you're very close to your home. And then eventually maybe you get into some of this ultra- you know, or some of these other you know things where you're going further from your home, right? And so that's today we have uh, one of my coaching clients, Brooke, who's been with me for a bunch of years. And he traditionally, or in normal years, races mountain biking, cross country mostly. He's been dabbling in you know some of the gravel and some of the more long marathon stuff, and certainly some cycle cross over the years. But you know, an, a firm off road cyclist here. Uh, and then with just 2020 and COVID and no racing, he was like, I'm going to try this bike packing thing and just try and put in a bunch of miles this year and explore and he's i i proclaim that he has become a lead at bikepacking over the course of this one season but he talks about being terrified of bears in the episode which i think is reasonable uh given that he was uh eric batty actually our other friend who's been on talking about uh sort of backpacking and being in the wilderness and has set lots of fkts and fat biked in the winter i guess he he also was basically bikepacking in the winter in some pretty extreme conditions he was saying that like where brooke was was full out grizzly country like really really dangerous.
1: Well, we're really happy that Brooke made it back. And okay, so I actually have the two highlights that I thought for this episode. Uh the first was I love that to get started, he actually really suggests doing camping in your backyard. So right. like go do your go do your ride and then just camp in your backyard. Like with your, you know, fill up your bike with all your gear and everything, but come home and just set up your tent there. And that way you kind of get to know what stuff you need, what stuff you didn't need. You know, you you still have the sort of safety of your own home should your tent collapse at night or you know, yeah. if you get freezing or and whatever. And he's just
0: in Toronto, basically, you know, more, you know, so he's in a city. So he just went out and rode. There's a, there's pretty good mountain bike trails in right. And so you don't even necessarily need to carry anything your first time. Right. You could just camp. You could go somewhere. There's a couple centers here I can think of in southern Ontario where like there's actually like a KOA, a campground right there. You know, and it says you're going to camp while you're riding, right? So probably a lot of people are like, I've already done that, right? And so we were like edging our way into this idea of biking all day or a lot of the day, camping outside, sleeping outside. You know, it's sort of uncomfortable. You know, what whichever dealing with all this stuff and then riding the next day. Right? Probably people have have edged into this already.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other thing I love is he is a big fan of the diner breakfast. So as a New Jersey, New Jersey girl here, I deeply appreciate that
0: yeah. basically if he saw one he would stop basically <laughs> even if it was like twice, twice i would go day.
1: bike packing with brooke any day of the week this is my kind of trip
0: yeah and i think last thing i guess my favorite out of the episode is that brooke you know sort of continued training throughout the season like we were still doing intervals we were still taking recovery weeks we were still doing he, he he's very good with strength and like sprinkling in some running so even though he was building volume and like had all these adventures planned we would just sort of undulate through and try and take enough so that he wasn't getting slower by doing all this volume and all these like super long you know low cadence low output days um, so I would say he's had a gr- really good breakthrough season by sort of sprinkling through these different blocks of training, right. And just making sure not that he wasn't overdoing it. Right. And making sure that the rest of life was maintained as he went on these adventures.
1: Yes. All right. Awesome. Well, we should get into this episode, head to constantathlete.com for show notes and just for tons of different information on bike packing that we've, we've had going on this season. Uh, yeah. Enjoy the episode and we will see you soon
0: have gotten into bikepacking like basically just this year right like you, you maybe p- played a bit with it last year
2: well last year i uh, just dropped some bags onto my uh, full suspension mountain bike and uh did the Colt loop in uh ontario here which is like it's kind of crazy because like the first day uh i was like oh this is awesome go hard did 200k on and then the next few days i was just like totally dead
0: um, so then this year, you know, COVID happened and races weren't happening. So you were like, this is the chance, right? Like you're going to go onto it full gas. So then what, like, how did you, you, you laid it out really, really well. I thought, uh, as far as like stepping your way into this la- latest massive adventure, um, like, tell me a bit about that. Like, you know, what were the trips and sort of the almost periodization you made for bike packing?
2: Um, so the first one I did was, um, uh was like a overnighter. And I just took a little bit of gear and went out and did it. Um, and that worked out fine. I ended up uh, like sleeping in my backyard with the gear to just like test it out before I went out. And then I did the uh, the GNR. Well, that, that was the GNR. and um, And then later on, I did the GNR again as like a one day event, which is like uh, 360K. So that was pretty beefy. And that gave me a lot of confidence. And then I went out and did the, uh, the BT 700, which is uh, 770 kilometers. I did that over four days. And then the BC trip was basically stepping it up uh, and doubling that. So that was around 1600, 1700 kilometers.
0: Right. And and this is not like, you know, sometimes people get really into stuff and they go full gas. And and I I use the word periodizing because you actually like had a really, I think, good gap between these, right? Like you actually recovered and then you actually got in like what we would consider even pretty normal training. You know, you're always pretty good with your consummate athlete, you know, strength and a bit of runs and then rides and intervals. So you, you know, you didn't make the mistake of like, GNR, BT 700, fly out West and like all in like a month, right? Like this, we're talking like essentially May through we're late September. Now you've just gotten back from BC.
2: Yeah. It was a whole season of, uh, bikepacking and touring. It, it, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Um, I found that, uh, that like I, every day I did basically about as much as I wanted to, uh, you know, dust to dawn and then, um, just rode all day until I was tired and then went to sleep. And like, so it kind of, um, you know, the pace kind of dictates, uh, how far you go, but I'm not really like going for kilometer goals. I'm just going for like riding all day and, uh, doing kind of like what I feel like I can do, but with those, like those trips stepping up in that way, it just made the kind of like the mental part a lot easier. Uh, because like you kind of don't know what you can do until you start doing it. And then, you know, I, I could do two days and then I could do four days and then I could do 12 days, you know, it's like just step, step, step.
0: Yeah. And it's both the, the fitness or the mental piece, but then also you're, you know, you, when you were camping in your backyard to start this off, um, you know, you're also learning a lot about camping and being outdoors too, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Uh, I, you know, I I didn't really, uh, I've done a lot of camping in my life, but I haven't really done like bevy camping. So this whole season I I did it in a a bevy and a, uh, uh, in a hammock. So I learned a lot about that type of camping, which is a lot different than just like in a tent because it it, it feels a lot different. The setup's different. Carrying the gear is is different.
0: What do you mean it feels different? Like it's scary or what?
2: Uh, being in a bevy kind of makes you feel, like, really exposed, but, yep. you, like, you kind of yep. get used to it, um, and it, it's great because it weighs, like, nothing. Right. Uh, uh, being in a hammock, ha- hammocks uh, tend to be, like, the setup is a little bit more difficult, getting it, like, perfect, and then waking up with a perfect setup is kind of difficult because everything stretches, like, the. Hammock I have is made out of nylon. Nylon stretches, so getting that set up uh, dialed took a while, but I was able to figure that out.
0: Hmm. I saw you ended up sleeping like there was like a windstorm, and you were sleeping like between two, <laughs> two
2: logs or something. Uh, yeah, that was at the, okay. So the reason why that happened was that uh, when I got to uh, uh, the KVR. Um, it was really sandy when it started. So I started riding and I, it was like nine o'clock. I'm like, you know, classic one, you know, if I get 20 more K today, that'll be great. Cause then I won't have to do it tomorrow type of thinking. Anyway, I was riding along and I basically, uh, it's too dark and I wiped out and I fell over and I hit my hand and my leg and just like split my knee completely open. It's like blood is coming out pretty good. So I was like, I think probably it's time to camp, but like all the areas that I saw, uh, like I was just basically on the side of a highway. And, um, so I kind of like snuck around for like 10 minutes in the dark. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to camp between these logs here. Cause it's, it was so windy and there was nowhere else. And it had like a nice bed of leaves that looked really tempting. So, uh, I just threw my bevy in there. And
0: so, with the injury, then, like, did you have to do f- some first aid? Like, are you carrying a- enough stuff, or like, what? What was that? Like, cutting yourself.
2: My my first aid was basically. Uh, by the time I stopped, it was all dry, so I put I threw a uh, a leg warmer over it and went to bed.
0: <laughs> okay, we've <laughs> we've all been there. But how many more days? Like, this is a a giant. Like you know, said, twelve days well, total. Like, what did you do? I was
2: day two. It, it it basically ended up to just be kind of like a a uh, pretty minor scrape. So but it was just like a big minor scrape. So I didn't really need much after that.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, why don't we talk bike setup then? Like what type of bike are you? Are you still a mountain bike or you, did you go with your cross bike for, I guess for this latest one out in BC? Like you were climbing a ton. What did you use for that?
2: I used a Surly Karate Monkey, which is a hardtail uh, mountain bike mm-hmm. um, with uh, suspension fork. Uh, and some arrow bars, a sandy parts in it. So I wanted to get mountain bike wheels. And basically everyone says the mountain bike wheels is the way to go. Um, I put a suspension fork on it. Uh, apart from being soft, uh, I, I wanted to have kind of like a nice setup for the aero bars, so it's a little bit easier to hold on to. And it didn't vibrate the heck out of my hands because I have pretty soft uh, wrists. So I tend to get like pain in my hands. Uh, but that and the Aragon grips, I got Aragons with uh, uh, the little. Like bar ends. You know, 19. Yeah, yeah, with bar ends. Right. Yeah, bring back the 90s. Um, with bar ends, and that helped a lot. I just kind of moved my hands around, and uh, that worked out well. I didn't end up using the arrow bars too much. Um, so I'd probably maybe skip those next time. But um, that part of the stuff was great. Um, I definitely would recommend suspension. Uh, it's not that much weight, and it it just makes your life so much better. Uh, and plus, you can have a lot more fun with it. And is
0: that a general recommendation for the bike packing you've done? Like you've done a bunch in Ontario now, and then you've done some very rugged stuff out west. Like, would you just always use a suspension fork now?
2: Um, like think of, like what about BTC? Yeah, I would. For the BT700, BT700 is really kind of weird because it has, uh, it's basically half road, like gravel,
1: yeah,
2: and then half, like, you know, climbing and single track. So it's, it's really kind of hard to pick a perfect bike for it. I would suspect that the perfect bike would be maybe like 45s or 50 tires with, Maybe probably rigid. Like um, uh, the rodeo trail donkey would probably be a good bike for that. I guess one of those like the gravel bikes that they make now, the 47s, the Byway 47s, that would probably be pretty good. Or their slightly more rugged version of that tire.
0: Yeah, it strikes me like a lot of things that where you know if you were more coming from a road background, maybe you'd want to go a bit burlier or something. And then if you're a mountain biker, yeah. maybe you could handle a bit more like you know, getting bumped around and, you know, dealing with the technical stuff or something.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, dep- it also depends how you're going to do it. Like if you're going to do it as a tour, you could take any bike. Like you could take whatever you want and just kind of like, you know, walk the stuff that's too hard or whatever, mm-hmm. or with whatever bike you have. Like, I, I honestly believe that the the bike, like everyone kind of gets really obsessed about gear related stuff, but I, I I'm not sure if, the gear really stops you from doing the adventure. Cause like it just kind of becomes part of the adventure. Right. Like if you see these like, um, uh, that rough stuff book, uh, they have all the it's basically a, a chronic chronicling these, uh, guys that are like riding through the Alps on like, you know, road bikes. Basically you can get anywhere on any bike really. If you apply enough, mm-hmm. uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, if you just yeah. tough it out. But I think that's a good thought. Out, like, yeah. I mean, original tour bikes, right? Like we're just road bikes with yeah. like little bigger tires or whatever. And like you say, you, there's always the option to hike a couple things and um, oh, absolutely. enjoy the speed when you are on gravel roads and, and whatnot. Um. Yeah. I wonder too, like part of, I I feel like with bikepacking, there's a big navigation and I I don't know how you were posting Instagram stuff all over the time. Like (laughs) tell us a bit about, you know, the, the, I guess the tech for lack of a better term, but like maybe start with navigation. Like how did you, you know, find the route and then, and then follow the route?
2: Um, So I found the route on bikepacking.com. It was the, uh, so I found the route on bikepacking.com and uh that route was also very similar to the bc epic route and then i basically tacked on a portion of the um uh ride the divide that route uh the gmbr and uh nailed all that together
0: and then what are you doing so you you find the route you maybe did you download like paper maps or are you just strictly at digital now like how are you doing them?
2: so i took uh three gps's so my phone and two Garmin's. uh all of them had the maps on it all of them uh had the route uh, so i had a lot of backups that was probably the best way to do it I, I didn't use any paper maps or, or anything like that uh, i also every time i stopped i'd actually talk to people about the you know the condition the local conditions where to go you know where to camp all that type of stuff and kind of like relied on that aspect and that that helped quite a bit
0: i love it talking to people imagine in this day tonight, <laughs> right, we're, we're right? that's cool and you stopped a lot you know as far as food and how much food you carry and stuff like you were, you know, just stopping at like diners for breakfast, it seemed like. like that, that seemed like that was your, your favorite, was, you know, diner breakfast. Oh, yeah. is, is that the main strategy? You see a diner, you stop? Uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> pretty close. Uh, you know, I, I probably ate at least half of my meals were breakfast. Um, so I, I tend to eat, like try to find a good breakfast at some point in the day and at least one other meal.
0: Okay. And then are you doing like, as far as snacks and stuff along the day, like, is that sort of like you see a variety store and you're just picking up, you know, candy, chocolate bar, that type of stuff? Or like, what, what were you fueling with?
2: I ate almost anything I could find. Uh, I try to keep a ton of calories on the bike. um, And, you know, I'd I'd be eating like uh, Snickers and Cliff Bars and, you know, fish and, Basically everything. I eat like a like a nine year old child in in paradise here. Like, right. I spent a fortune on snacks. It's so good though. I am I have a huge sugar tooth and or sweet tooth, and I I just love all that type of stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that's definitely you know it's it keeps you moving through the day. Did you find anything like a, over the season? Not even necessarily this latest trip, but is there? Did you, did you make a bad choice as far as nutrition on the bike or, you know, these breakfasts and stuff you're having? Like, was there something you were like, ah, that was maybe not the right choice for today?
2: Yeah. I found that if I eat big meals that have a lot of fat in them, uh, like that are kind of like a lot of pastries type of stuff, that's not very good for me. Like if I like eat a lot of sausage, for instance, that's no good. Uh, But that's the only thing that bothers me with stomach. I have a pretty good stomach.
0: Well, and I guess the the key to it, and maybe a difference for you, you know, you've done a lot of cross country racing and more intense stuff, cyclocross. But the nice thing about this all day pace is it's like, it's almost like a a good pacing mechanism if you put a big breakfast in, right? It's like you can't, you're not supposed to be going that hard really, right? Because you're supposed to be riding all day. Um, So you must have found a difference when it's just relaxed touring pace, right?
2: Well, I found that you definitely have a lot of time to think about the type of snacks that, you, that you're that you stopping for. So like, I'd be like daydreaming about certain things. Uh, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of McDonald's, which I know that is uh, maybe a sin for, a, uh, for some people. But you know, I'm thinking about like a Big Mac all day, and then you finally get that Big Mac. And it's just like the best.
0: Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what gets through, I guess, right? And Oh, yeah, um, so I had maybe two other questions. um I think maybe keeping up with that one in mind about talking to people, like did you have any you know really unique or like really like you know feel good type stories about when you're talking to someone and they like help you out or just a unique character along any of these you know these journeys you've gone on this year?
2: Well, on the last trip, I had two uh I was washing my uh my clothes in a river. As as you do as a bike packer, and uh, a, a woman offered to uh, to buy me breakfast, which was very nice. Uh, she I, I basically we were chatting, and uh, I she kept talking about how like you know interesting it was as riding across the province and all this stuff, and how she couldn't do it. And then she's like talking to me about how she wanted to like ride to the next town, but she didn't like. You know, it's like any super psych to like ride to the next town on her bicycle and then after that she she she's like oh let me let me buy you breakfast i'm like no 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 it's okay it's okay it's okay and then uh yeah that was pretty cool and then um when i was in fernie i stopped at a gas station and uh i was talking to this guy about the uh you know different trails out of town and all this stuff and uh in that conversation i guess he got the impression that i'd like to borrow his boat so he's like hey uh, if you want to if you want to take my boat and like just like go down the river with it that's fine you know i've only taken that three times this year so you know someone should take it out so why don't you why don't you come by my place well we'll, you'll you'll take the boat you'll go down the river and uh and have a good time on this boat i'm like I don't know what to I don't even know what to do with the boat but like <laughs>
0: not like separate from your trip like you were going to go take the boat they come back to the same spot like it wasn't helping you cross a river or anything
2: no no, just no it's just like ride. just just hop on this boat and, go, and just go down the river have some fun uh bring the boat back when you when so you, did can. you do it no I didn't <laughs> I didn't
0: uh, that's a funny story though like yeah uh, maybe it was a trick but maybe you will never know
2: no, that guy seemed pretty genuine. He was very excited for this boat situation that could have unfolded.
0: And that was funny, he said.
2: It, yeah, it was weird because he didn't want to go in the boat with me. He wanted me <laughs> to take his boat down the river, and then that that'd be the.
0: What an experience! That'd be the
2: adventure. Yeah, I guess I should have taken him up on that.
0: Yeah, I guess. Like just, just I guess I don't know. Maybe it would just be the same, but. Um, that's good though. Right. And that's the type of stuff, you know, it's, it's so rare now to get that. And that's, you know, I think part of it, like you're out there, you're camping, it's like a very uh, real experience. And then, you know, to actually be talking to people and almost, you know, like needing help from people in some situations, whether it's like just directions, right? Like I'm lost, you know, where to go or better route or something. That's really cool. Uh, last piece then, I guess, as far as equipment and bags, like I know Molly just did a, just a very like, sort of like your first forays into it. They sort of rode someplace and, and stayed in a, uh, like bed and breakfast. Very cool. Um, yeah, yeah. And the equipment is definitely the bags, like the carrying the stuff. Like you quickly, quickly realize like how heavy all your stuff is. And, and, you know, the fact that the bags you have are not enough. Have you, like, you've been making some bags as well. Like what have what have you settled on as far as the actual bags on the bike?
2: Um, So my mom taught me how to sew when I was like, I don't know, like 10 or something. And we've made uh, a bunch of stuff together over the years. So I've kind of like learned how to use a sewing machine. And uh, basically I I went on bikepacking.com and found kind of like an instruction on how to make a frame bag and I ordered all the materials on the internet and cut out a template for the frame and sewed it all together and made one for my karate monkey and from one for my uh, pivot mock 4SL. So uh, now I've, I've taken both of them like backing at this point, but that was a great way to store like all the heavy stuff. So I would have, my uh my tools and my food in that bag because food's actually really heavy uh and then i, I put uh, my sleeping bag uh bevy and um the rest of my sleep system in uh, a bar bag uh, that was fairly maybe 15 inches long so that all fit in there and that might have been like maybe four pounds and then on the, uh, the rear of the bike, I had a seat bag that was like the, uh, like a 16 liter, like giant bag. And I just put on my, uh, my other set of clothes and all the random stuff that you, that you have bike packing. So that's the setup. Okay. okay.
0: That makes sense. That's a good tip as far as the heavier stuff, sort of central on the bike. Um, yeah. Yeah, those the seat bags um, that are sort of like they're almost like fenders, right? They're so so long.
2: Oh yeah, they work. They work. How did for
0: that. how did you find those? You know, if it ever got burly or or like I don't know, it strikes me as like if you started turning a lot, it would get
2: weird. Uh, yeah. It, so they can sway. So you have to look like like really kind of like. Get them rammed full of stuff and then roll them very tight, and then uh, you have to like really strap them down super tight. Otherwise, they kind of sag and then they they swing back and forth uh, on on the back of your bike. And uh, mine actually, when it's too loose, it actually kind of makes like a like a bird chirping sound. So you'll just hear a chirp
0: chirp 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 chirp, chirp, okay. chirp, which is disconcerting, I guess. At some point, or?
2: yeah, it's a little disconcerting.
0: Uh, is there anything else that comes to mind if you were like giving people, uh, you know, advice as they, they sort of start into or continue bikepacking and adventuring on their bikes?
2: I would say that, uh, that, you know, you can basically get by with the stuff you have at the beginning. So like if you have a couple stuff sacks and a bicycle and maybe a backpack, uh, you know, you can strap the, the stuff sack to your, you know, handlebars and then you can clip one onto the back of your bike. And, you know, throw the rest of your stuff in your backpack and go have an adventure. You don't have to buy all this fancy gear to, like, you know, get into the – get into nature. Yeah,
0: I think that's great. And I think your note even about, the like, backyard camping to start, right, just to control the downside and, you know, go for a big, long ride, come back, camp in the backyard – you know, right again, like that could be that simple, right?
2: Absolutely. I think, I think a lot of stuff that's holding people back is like fear, but not like the fear of, I I don't think it's the fear of getting eaten by stuff. It's like the fear of like the unknown. So it's like, you just keep doing things uh, over and over again. And just do it like a little bit more each time. So it's like, you know, you sleep in the backyard You sleep overnight in a place that looks like your backyard. You know, you ride for two days. You ride for three days. You just keep going, like, like, up a step. And it's like, before I did the BC trip, I've seen, like, maybe one bear in my life. And after the BC trip, I saw one you know, 15 feet away from me, went and I literally almost, you know, I got within 20 feet of running into one on the trail. And before that, I was like, kind of like really afraid of uh having issues with wildlife. But then, you know, we're just seeing these like big powerful animals like running for their lives away from a little, you know, skinny cyclist, I was like, well. Maybe maybe the uh, the danger is a little overblown here, you know. Right. But uh, I did end up with uh, a bear bell, bear bangers, and bear spray uh, when I got into the Rockies. So yeah, probably a happy ha- there. Ha-
0: having some sort of uh, respect for that is probably wise.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: Cool. Well, I appreciate you sharing this wealth of information and sort of also just for like training along with me and continuing, you know, to train because I do appreciate all the effort you put into your training, but it was cool to see you pivot and use that fitness and training, you know, for something you wanted to do um, and just, just like going to town on these backpacking things. Um, pretty soon you're going to be like a professional bike packer or something. You're going to have to like, just, like, you know, get all the, the sponsors and stuff and, and go from there.
2: <laughs> yeah if anybody wants to sponsor me, uh, Uh, I I work for bananas and other snacks.
1: Thanks so much for tuning into the consummate athlete podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our past episodes, please do us a huge favor, leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us bring on, you know, great new guests and, Yeah, we'd also love to hear from you. You can find us on the interwebs um, at consummateathlete.com, at consummateathlete on Instagram, uh, and I am at Molly J. Herford on Instagram and Twitter, and Peter is at Peter Glassford. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week.
0: The Slow Ride Podcast. Three idiots who are usually wrong. The Slow Ride Podcast. The Titanium of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. It's like if David Vanderpoel had a podcast. The Slow Ride Podcast. The Zwift Racing of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. Find the real advice. The Slow Ride Podcast. The Arrow Helmet of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. Sport leader coming through. The Slow Ride Podcast. When's Lance gonna sue us? The Slow Ride Podcast. The experts in French cycling. The Slow Ride Podcast. Official Fan Experience Zone on Facebook. The Slow Ride Podcast, the gravel bike of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, both vertically and
2: horizontally compliant. The Slow Ride Podcast. New episodes every Tuesday.